From Hong Kong, Chicago and the city of Stoke-on-Trent, this is the Classic Lenses Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 96. My name is Simon Forster and I'm joined by Johnny Sisson and Perry G. Hello, Johnny. Hello. And hello, Perry. Hello. Johnny, how's the weather in Chicago? We haven't spoke about that for a while. No, we, it's, um, it's very grey today. I don't know if it's raining or what, but it's it's extremely gray today. It was like, gray last you, time, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's different today. Like, it, so despite our best efforts to start early, it is now ten minutes to eight Chicago time. Uh, but I guess I mean comparatively, that is early because usually we start this BS, <laughs> you know, like an hour later than this at this point, on average, I would say. You know, we we say we start at eight, and then by the time we're all done, and I'm out of the bathroom, and blah 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 blah, it's ten minutes to nine, and it's only ten minutes to eight right now. So it's earlier than usual. Maybe that's why it looks so dark. Yeah. Well, we're doing we're doing well. Um, yeah. How about you, Perry? How's how's things out in your your part of the world? Pretty good. It's it's uh the temperature has dropped dramatically here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, so. It is now what's considered cold in Hong Kong. It hit like 13 degrees a couple of days ago. And that's when you see all Wait, what's that in American? Uh, like 50 something, I would guess. Oh, okay. So above, you're above, st- above 50. So you should, you're should you still wearing t-shirts is what you're telling me, right? Well, that's when the locals here bust out their Canada goose jackets. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not joking. I am 100% not joking. Oh. <laughs> well, I, f- I felt that I had to bring up the weather uh, because I've, there's something I've noticed, uh, certainly here in Stoke-on-Trent, that whenever we record this podcast now, probably for the last three months, it feels like, that Monday is always been the best photography day of the week and I'm always just stuck in here doing the oh, podcast and not getting yeah. outside and taking pictures. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, it's lovely yeah. out there at the moment. Yeah, there's good sun. You know, it's not too strong. You know, I don't know. Well, there you yeah. go. What can you yeah. say? We we suffer for our art, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah. There we go. So, uh, hey, yeah. I have a question for you guys that's not entirely weather-related. But in our pre-chat, uh, it was revealed that, you know, Simon has a camera with him. Now, there's something that I do at every, 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 <laughs> every time we record. Uh, but I w- but I want to know if you guys do it as well for for moments when the conversation is uh, you know it's going on and I'm just sitting in the background listening. I will put myself on mute and I always have a camera with me that I just wind and fire and wind and fire. And wind and fire. <laughs> That's what I do all day long at work. Hey, <laughs> do you guys do that? And if so, do you change what camera you you do it with? No, I do something like that, but not with cameras. <laughs> all right never mind well seeing, seeing that we were talking about cameras there and winding the fire and i've i've got something in front of me which i'm i'm really really pleased about to, to have and uh it's not my camera it's another camera on loan from the wonderful jeremy north and um i'm gonna let you let you hear this shutter oh that winding yeah Deep oh, shutter, yes. winding. But you guys know what it is already. Yeah, we know it. We know what it is. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a 
it's something particularly exciting and it's about it's i've got it for something that i'm going to be doing later this week um was i've uh, i've handed back uh, jeremy's uh, contacts g2 kit um, which was fantastic to use. I haven't developed anything from it yet, but I really, really enjoyed that. And he's lent me something else. But you know what? I'll talk about that when we talk about what we've been doing this week and all this kind of stuff. So uh, I'll leave everybody on tenterhooks as to what that camera noise you've just heard was. So, Perry, what, how's, how's things in Hong Kong? Yeah, pretty good. I didn't get tear gas this week, so that's All right. Plus. Yeah, last week uh, before before I got tear gassed at night, I actually was planning on going out and, and shooting. Um, and I got as far as loading film into my Mamiya 645, which is progress. Uh, but I didn't actually shoot anything. So I've successfully loaded film into that camera. Um, and maybe one day I will actually shoot that film. But apart from that, yeah, we had a big uh, rally yesterday, which was the first rally approved um, by the organizers of the big ones back in June. So the first one that was approved since August. So I went out and there were you know hundreds of thousands of people. It was uh, it was extremely peaceful, and I mean I got there were so many people that I got stuck in one spot for about forty five minutes because um, it just wasn't moving. But that was fun. I went out and shot with what are, are becoming my sort of documentary heavy hitters, uh, the Hexar RF and Xpan. Um, and I, I was using my 35 Sumicron and, and just the one X-Pan lens I have. Nick Lyle went on this mission to try to convince me to use longer lenses. Um, so eventually he, he did convince me to put an 85 millimeter, uh, into my bag, but I, I never, ch I didn't change the lens at any point. I thought, I thought about it at one point, um, to take the 75 millimeter Voigtlander because uh, I totally forgot that I had that until Johnny was <laughs> sending pictures of some of his cameras. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I have that lens that he wants. <laughs> um, but no, that was that was a pretty good experience. It was I, I wasn't fully in like shooting mode because it was so hard to move with so many people around. Like literally you couldn't get out of the streets. You, you could barely move left and right. And And somehow I managed to bump into... Uh, my friend and a bunch of a bunch of her friends who were also at the rally, so we just kind of ended up hanging out and walking. Um, I, I got some shots that I'm pretty happy with. Made a made a triptych on the X Pan, but there's one moment from that rally that really sticks out, which is right at the beginning. I was up on a footbridge, uh, trying to catch a, a view of the beginning, and there was a bunch of people up there with cameras, mostly you know digital cameras. But every every time there's one of these mass rallies people do come out and shoot with all kinds of weird stuff. And, and I like looking and there was one guy who was parked up on the footbridge right next to me. And he was shooting this with a Pentax six, seven uh, with, with the, his, the full wooden handle and everything. And I looked at him and I was like, you are crazy unless you're not going to move. Uh, wow. So at, at one point he turned around and he saw me with my Konica Hexar and my X pan hanging around my neck. And I think just in his mind, he must've thought like, puny tiny format <laughs> yeah so you, you didn't engage in a conversation with him then i i thought about it but there were so many people like i yeah. I, I posted a couple of pictures of the size of the crowd um so you know just imagine being in that 
and trying to engage in a conversation with someone about his Pentax six seven. It's it's not the it's not the most ideal environment for small talk. So we just kind of yeah. gave each other a knowing glance and moved on. Yeah. It's, it's just it's quite interesting. I mean, I'm I'm not you know I'm, I'm a generally shy person and I I don't talk to strangers. Um, you know, I was told that as a child, and I've always uh, gone gone with it. Um, but when you when you see somebody with a camera, uh, especially a film camera, or, or they they've got an old lens on a on a digital camera, I've, I feel compelled to talk to them, and it's uh, and usually yeah they they're happy to talk back. Yeah, it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's good 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 icebreaker. It is. I mean, a my Chinese isn't that good. Um, but B, it's so common in Hong Kong. I think I, I walk past, you know, when I'm out shooting, it, it's more common than not that I walk past one or two other people who are also shooting film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with all kinds of weird stuff, Leicas or TLRs or, uh, I'm trying to think if I've seen anyone shooting with anything particularly strange. I saw a guy shooting street once with a Graflex and that was impressive. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I see that. I see that here downtown as well. Yeah, it's it's going to be more prominent in a city, especially, I mean, in a place like Chicago where you've got so many students and hipsters, it's right. inevitable. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Goes with the territory. Exactly. That was pretty much all I all I did this week uh, photographically. I got home and um, developed everything pretty quickly. Turned out pretty nice. Honestly, you know, the... The X-Pan is such a perfect format for, for for these kinds of photos because when you've got a crowd that's like stretching out, both the vertical panel and the horizontal panel work really well. And for the horizontal, it's just you don't want any of that extra top and bottom. So I'm really, really happy with the results. I should have brought some Cinestill though because the rally, it started getting dark uh, when we were about halfway through. And so I shot a roll. I had a roll of portrait on me that I pushed, and I just got the uh, the results back. So I haven't posted anything yet. But man, that would have been much better with Cinestill, because there was one point in the night where basically it started to get dark, and so people put a lot of their signs away, and they all took out their phones and turned the flashlight on. So there was just a sea of lights um, in front of me, sort of marching towards the central area. Wow. And the the film pictures are nice that that came out on Portra. I shot some with my phone as well, but I really wish I had Cinestill because you would just get like a sea of those little helated highlights. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I think I've seen a few of those uh, pictures on dotted around on the internet as well with the you know all the mobile phones and things just just pointing towards the uh, well. I don't think they were doing specifically to point towards a specific photographer, but certainly as they were walking down uh, with those lights shining, it was a, a really nice scene. Yeah, BBC used it as uh, their main image for their story on it. So everyone just had their phones in the air. They were kind of waving them back and forth with the light on and singing songs and chanting stuff. So it was, it was pretty nice. I was just, just thinking that, I don't know if we're talking about, are you on about the, the BBC website um, using the uh, using that photo? Is that is that what you mean or is that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think we've we've read the same article then, and uh, I remember looking through. It was only a couple of days ago, I think, actually, and uh, it was. It, it's it's always good to see the pictures of uh, Hong Kong and what's what's going on there. And um, I, but I was scrolling through them, and I was thinking, there's some good photos here, but 
I know people there that are doing some pretty remarkable <laughs> stuff, you know, yeah. uh, yourself yeah. included. And uh, and actually, I was going to do this at the end for my shout outs, but I just want to um, give a shout out to uh, Cheng Wai Hock, um, mm. who you introduced me to, Perry. Um, and just every every time I speak to somebody, um, I say, "Are you are you following Cheng Cheng Wai Wok?" <laughs> it was uh, yeah. you, you you need to um, because his photographs are just extraordinary. They're crazy, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's on Instagram as Cheng Wai Cheng Wai Wok, and we'll put a Cheng Wai Hock. Cheng Wai Hock, sorry, and uh, yeah, please uh, you know check him out on Instagram because it's amazing stuff. So that's pretty much it for me. Uh, who should I bat it over to? Johnny? Well, you could do if he wasn't on mute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Simon. Or, or perhaps he's yeah. gone somewhere else. Um, so, uh, yeah. Okay. We'll, uh, okay. We'll, I'm we'll, back. Oh, oh Johnny's oh, back. Go, yeah. You go ahead. So my, my computer is working in slow motion. So I went to hit the unmute and it like slowly drifted up the screen. It's going that slow here. Oh so, but you have internet now. I have internet now. Yeah, Excellent. I have internet now. So I guess that's one part of my news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> apropos of, uh, I, I just in no particular order. Apropos, Perry, of uh, you talking about the X-Pan um, being perfect for. Uh, what you're shooting in Hong Kong. Um, I was just kind of, you know, I don't, I don't actually spend a lot of time looking around um, at photos by famous photographers because I, I mean, tell me if this is weird, but I kind of don't want to see them because I don't want them to influence. I don't want them to get in my brain. If that makes any sense. Um, yeah, it's weird. Okay, well, I don't want them to get in my brain because then I start thinking too hard about what I'm shooting. It's sort of like I somebody somebody I heard this story once, and you can translate this to whatever um, team sport thing makes sense to you know to you, dear listener. Uh, but it was about baseball, and somebody somebody told this story about how they managed to put a. Uh, a hitter who was on a hitting streak into a slump into a hitting slump. So we have this sport called baseball where there's a ball and you throw it at someone and they try to hit it. Right. Everybody get that. So, so this catcher, you know, Oh, it was to a pitcher. Um, I think anyway, that somebody went up to the pitcher, like a fellow pitcher from another team and said, Hey man, you, you're, you're really, everything is like going great. I mean, you're, you're, I don't know. You're throwing strikes. I mean, what's going on? You're just, you're having a great season. And the guy immediately goes into a slump because he's thinking about everything he does now throwing a baseball. Um, and I feel like that's sometimes if I look at, uh, at work by photographers, whose work, I feel like I have a similarity to in some regard. I'm like, I see something they're doing. I'm like, Oh, uh, I'm kind of doing that, but I'm sort of not. Cause I'm doing it my way this way. And then I'm like, Oh F you know, because I realize I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about what I'm doing too hard and I try not to do that. So I don't go seeking things out, <laughs> seeking out, uh, things that are too excellent too often. <laughs> um, I'd rather just kind of come across them, but I did, um, 
I was reading about Pano stuff as I often do. Uh, and I found a really great link to uh, uh, the panels by uh, Josef Kudelka. Mm, um, yeah. And yeah, and he's got some really nice ones that, um, you know, that are tripticked out. And I was like, oh, you know, you, you think that you've done something and you think, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I'll put those in a triptych, you know, three panels vertical. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. He did this like way long time ago. So there's some really great Kudelkas where he's basically tripticked out panos and they're really, really excellent. Yeah, they, they really are. Yeah. Yeah. And I had not seen them before. So it was, it was like one of those things where I came across them this week and I was really, really excited to look at them. And now I'm looking at them again and I'm like, why am I looking at these? This is going to totally screw me up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I kind of, I kind of know what you mean. It's like, um it's that whole second nature thing right it's like when you're learning to play a musical instrument um the the moment that it clicks is often the moment that you you stop thinking consciously about exactly every note you're playing yeah and you kind of internalize all of the kind of muscle memories and things like that so yeah i get i get what you mean there are definitely times when you know i have been walking down shooting and thinking whoa this this scene reminds me of you know something that I saw Fan Ho do fifty years ago. Right. I'm I'm gonna try to copy that essentially. Yeah, d- d- yeah. that's exactly it, Perry. It's like I can't I, I, if I come across it and forget it, that's fine. But I don't want to be like actively thinking about anything that anyone else has ever done when I'm taking pictures. <laughs> so like I don't want to let it far enough into my brain space that I'm like thinking about it consciously or consciously them thinking about what I'm doing. I just, I want to be as uh, straight out of the it or whatever as I can when I'm taking photos. So anyway, that was, yeah. I was, I was just going to say, I, I have a different issue because I see, you know, especially when we've had a, an inspirational guest or, or there's been a conversation about somebody particularly interested and I'm blown away by what they've done. And I think I really fancy doing that, and then, and then I realise I just don't have the talent. Um, <laughs> and therefore, it just, does, it just doesn't happen. Alternatively, I tend to forget what it was I was trying to achieve. So by the time I'm actually out there, I, I end up just taking my shot anyway. But that's okay. The the that's all right though, because you you're going to take your shots in a way that nobody else can take them. So yeah. But I think it is it is something about about influences. I mean, there's I've heard a few podcasts, and they all they all seem to merge into one eventually. If you if you if you listen to enough of them, about you know, where there's there's very little that's actually new, um, and there are some things where oh yeah yeah we, we you know somebody might be breaking some ground in photography, but that ground that they've broken has been prepared. The way has been prepared by people who have gone in the past. Oh, definitely. So it's it's you know it's the that phrase standing on the shoulders of giants is uh, mm-hmm. one that I heard recently. I think that might be on the somebody on the ultra low ISO podcast. Possibly, I think I heard that that phrase, but that resonated with me. Uh, yeah, so it is very very difficult to be truly original there. Yeah, yeah, but there's a it's a difference of intentionality, right? Because right, you know, everything has been done before, and you're kind of putting your own take on it in in many respects, but when you're making a photograph with a deliberate nod to something else that you're sort of consciously holding in your mind, it is a different creative process to um, just kind of engaging fully with what it is you're making. Right. 
even if it's been shot before by someone else. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I, and I guess those are like things I try to not ever think about (laughs) when I, certainly not when I'm taking photos, I'm trying to just be in the moment. So, but well, you know, but no, but I I mean, but there are times when you come, I, you know, you come across things that are just really, really striking. Hmm. But I, I think the important thing is to just absorb them and not be conscious of them while you're doing your own thing. Yeah, I think I think the, uh, the this is exactly the reason I got tear gas last week because when, when that I mean speaking of Cheng Wai Hawk, a Joe, uh, a Joe is his English name. When that when, when that tear gas canister landed right next to me and I saw it and I started running away, I stopped and in my mind. I had images of all of Joe's pictures, which are often in the middle of clouds of tear gas. I was like, Oh, I want one of those pics. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I, I, yeah. That makes sense. Actually. Yeah, but there, so, there, I'm just, just thinking that there is, there's something to be said though, for actually emulating somebody um, because you, you're always, you know, it's one thing about copying somebody and there's another thing about being influenced by them. And if, a, if a scene, if you're seeing the scene differently because of somebody else's photography and that's stopping mm. you and that's making you actually take that shot, then I, I can't see that as anything other than, than, than a good thing. But ultimately it's you taking that shot. It's not, it's, it's not Joe, it's you and you will take it in a, in a slightly different way. And as a result of taking that shot, you might see other shots similar that are your shots and not Joe's shots. So yeah, you you, you can be influenced in a very positive way to take it in your own direction. But, but I would never want to come across something and think, Oh man, Cartier-Bresson, this is such a Cartier-Bresson moment. I would never want that thought going through my head ever. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about. Like that would be, I would just be oh screw it then. So I, I would I would welcome it. I would welcome that moment. Oh, yeah. I think in insofar as it gives you inspiration, I, I I kind of agree with Simon here because you know speaking of Kadelka, I've had a couple of his books for a long time, and and I never yeah. used to be the biggest fan of the aesthetic, but ever since the uh, unrest broke out in Hong Kong, yeah. I've been going back yeah. and looking through his his uh, images of Prague. And it's definitely had a strong influence in in terms of not necessarily how I think about making photos in terms of trying to emulate him, but in terms of it makes me see things that I wouldn't otherwise have seen, yeah. uh, like subconsciously, right? Moments right. and juxtapositions and oddities that are, yeah. are striking. That subconscious, that's the key. As long yeah. as it remains subconscious, it's okay. But I... I feel like it's one of those things where with me just it's it's a Johnny issue is that it's going to bubble up into my actual consciousness and that's what I'm afraid of so that's why I you know I try to be very cautious about what I look at. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being derivative. <laughs> <laughs> that's another way to think about it, yes. All right. <laughs> oh, anyway, so you asked me how my week was, and I started talking about Kudelka panoramas. Uh, but I mean, that was one of the big things that happened this week. Is you know, I looked at that stuff for ten minutes, and I was like, "Whoa, 
this is really excellent. Um, <clears throat> but the other the other big news is that I got my uh, Rolly RF thirty five back, uh, or thirty five RF, I guess I should say, to be correct about the nomenclature. Anyway, it is back, and I now for the first time have actually taken photos with uh, the M Rocor forty millimeter f two on this camera because I had the lens and for the past almost 90 days, I had no camera to use it on. Uh, so that's rather exciting. I guess it was 60 days, 60 pushing 90 days. That's a long time to wait for a service. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the next time I think we had this conversation that should my, this camera ever need service again, it will probably be, quicker for me to send it to Hong Kong <laughs> and have it done there. <laughs> yeah. All of our repair guys have a one week turnaround. Yeah. The then the place I sent it to, which was here in the States, uh, in a place called thousand Oaks, California, draw your own conclusions, people. <laughs> anyway, I, 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 you know, the thing is I, since, since I kind of work in the business, I, I never really, I'm very reticent to complain about turnaround times on repairs. Cause I'm like, Oh, take your time, take your time, do it right. Take your time, <laughs> you know, because I would really rather have it done right than have it not done right and have to send it back and have it, you know, but I mean, it was, I don't think it was a big adjustment. <laughs> it was realigning the frame lines. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, but you were mentioning that lens uh, handles really well on that camera. Yes, it ha- it handles excellently. Um, and th- I've taken. Let me see here. I'm on frame ten of this roll I put in two and a half days ago, three days ago. So um, yeah, I'm still so so I'm still in the zone for forty millimeter, which is kind of good because I've been shooting thirty five again and it's been going all right. Um, but when I started shooting the 40, it just immediately still felt like I was, uh, in the same place I was at when I had to send that off the camera off. Um, so, so that's good. I feel like I'm seeing, I'm seeing in that angle of view still. Yeah. So, I, I remember when I, cause obviously I got, I helped you source that camera. Yeah. I remember when I put the test roll through it. Yeah. Um, thinking, wow, it, it it's basically a Bessa, but because of that thick rubbery grip, I, yeah. I found it really nice to just carry around, um, like always in the hand because yeah. it just sticks there. It does. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I have and I have the side grip on it too, so mm. it's kind of extra extra good in the hand. Wait, um, didn't didn't we get some specific instructions to not mispronounce? the name of this camera. Oh yeah, we I guess we did. Then I call it a Roly. <laughs> that's right. That, yeah. So, I'm not supposed to say Nikon or Roly this week. So I won't say Nikon well, or Roly at all think, this week. Well, I think Ni- Nikon's definitely up for debate. Um, but uh, not according yeah, to Ni- not according to Nikon it isn't though. Yeah, well, they 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 just pander into their largest market. So, what'd you expect? <laughs> that would be like saying that the call wasn't perfect. 
Simon. That was sorry. That would be like <laughs> saying the call wasn't perfect because it, it, the, you, it would be like just pandering to say, oh, the, the, nothing bad happened on that call. Like the Ukrainian president is like, oh, yes. no, nothing bad happened on that call. As if he has nothing to lose by saying something wasn't right about the call. So you're saying it's like that with Nikon. That they're, be. I, I, they're pandering I'm, to I'm their... Just, well, they've lost market share to Sony as we Haven't know. they, though? So they've they yeah. got to do something about it. Yeah, so maybe they should be total dicks about how to pronounce how to pronounce it for the whole world and say, you know what? Screw you guys. If you can't say Nikon, you shouldn't own our cameras. Go buy a Sony. <laughs> I mean, they don't need to because everybody's doing that already anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, so I got I got the the really uh, back the raw raw back. Okay, I must say, in all fairness, um, there's a gentleman that comes in the central camera like once a year. He's from Germany, and he comes in like once a year to Chicago, and he stays for like, you know, two weeks or something. And he's like, uh, he's like 70-something years old. Um, And he's a former, as are all Germans of that age, engineer mechanical engineer every german that is in his 70s as a mechanical engineer uh former mechanical engineer anyway he's really fascinating guy and and the last time he was in town he had a roli because he did say it that way he had a roli uh uh try to remember what model it was i can't remember now but he had it most importantly he had it in the tropical case which is the metal if you've ever seen one of these, oh no, it was a baby Roli, baby Roli in the tropical case. Um, uh, so it, if you've never seen one of these, it's just literally like this metal, it's like a bucket, you know, it's like a metal case that the, the camera sort of hangs in upside down like a bat um, in a bat cave. And, and it's metal. And I mean, it's like you could drop this thing and it's not going to hurt the camera. And it's, you know, it's sealed. So it's waterproof and everything. So he had, he had his Roli with uh, the metal case and he had custom made, um, again, because he's a German engineer. He had custom made like these little pouches to hold his uh, lens hood and his filters in. And they were on, they were hanging off the leather strap that he had custom made because he's a former engineer, you know. Um, Anyway, he he said Roli. So apparently that, <laughs> apparently apparently I should be saying Roli, Roli. See, that, you got to if you're going to go if you're going to go that far with it, then you have to roll the RO correctly like a German too. Yeah, so I, that's why I think this is BS. Roli. It's so, it's BS. Your your entire story about the engineer was to tell us that he pronounced Roli. Yeah, in it's like way. it's like you're gonna do. I have to say Puerto Rico because that's how they say it in Puerto Rico. I mean, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> that's bullshit. I mean, that's it, it. Just doesn't get pronounced that way unless you're a native, you know. Or if you're Simon trying to pronounce uh, old <laughs> Pentax lenses. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so I got my Horoli back and realized that what I really need is an M2. Yeah. 
Now, the reason I say that is because it took almost 90 days just to get my uh, rangefinder realigned. And I'm like, what if it had really needed some actual service and not service that the guy who I sent it to forgot about for 50 days and then had it fixed in 10 days? Um, had that not happened, I probably would not have my camera back if I hadn't said, uh, hey, been 60 days. How's that going? <laughs> anyway, it made me think that I would love to have another like a, another Bessa because I actually really like this camera at least as much as any uh, Leica M camera that I've handled. I mean, I like yeah. this Rolly RF35. I like at least as much as any like M2, M3, M4 that I've handled. I really mm-hmm. do. It's great. To shooter. me, it's yeah, to me, it's that good. And in some respects better. Um, but if I had an M2, I could just drop the damn thing and send it up to DAG and I'd have it back in like two weeks. Mm-hmm. And apparently because it's a Cosina slash Voigtlander slash Rolai, there's one person I can send it to in the US to get it fixed pretty much. Yeah, a lot and of people it, won't service them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, because they, you know, they specialize in something else, right? Mm. Which I totally respect for people who do repair work because do what you're good at, you know? Do what you do what you're good at, do what you're going to make money at. I totally get that. I mean, how can you know how to do everything? So So you should totally get an M2 though, because that means all three of us will have one. That's where I'm going with this, Perry. Yeah, I'm. I, that's what I'm thinking because that that then it would be we'd all have one, and the next time I screwed it up, uh, it wouldn't be gone for like three months, you know. And I wouldn't be so I wouldn't be completely without a camera for three months. And yeah, arguably it is the the finest Leica shooter, right? Uh, and it is one of the bodies that has not gone insane in price yet. Yeah. You know, Although like I M- don't know, it's it's right there. It's I mean, creeping, but I mean, yeah. the M6 has has gone nuts in the last couple of years. Yeah, um, and the M4 and is now nuts. The M4 is going up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, I, and I think M3 and M2 are the ones that you can still occasionally find for yeah. a reasonable amount. Yeah. I mean it <clears throat> yeah. And but reasonable reasonable is gonna be more than half of my rent for the month. Yeah, like reasonable so by like yeah. a market prices. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So it's to me that's difficult because then I'd have to like save up to buy it. And at this point, if for me to say the word save up to buy it would assume that I don't live paycheck to paycheck. So if I'm saving up anything for anything, it should be for like retiring someday and not buying a camera. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like for me to say, Oh yeah, I'll just save up and buy an M2. It's like, no dude, I literally have zero savings, zero goose egg savings. So if I'm going to save anything, it really shouldn't be for a camera. <laughs> well, not, not to, not to feel your gas here, <laughs> but Two two arguments to the contrary. Number one, the M2 is likely to appreciate better than any other savings vehicle. 
uh, that, provided that you true. don't like smash it. Right. And that is true. number two, I've seen pictures of parts of your collections, and I'm convinced <laughs> that you have. <laughs> you know, your retirement fund might be right there because I'm convinced that you have more than enough non M2 stuff that could be converted <laughs> into an M2. <laughs> Yeah, and but probably I'm, stuff that you haven't touched in ages. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the stuff I have, most of it, it's like I, I don't have a lot of stuff that I want to sell. <laughs> don't you have like two hundred um, Kodak Retinas? You can convert those into an M2. I guess. Who wants those pieces of shit though? I mean, really, <laughs> I you know. So I've got, so I got six Retinas. That's like fifty bucks. Anyway, how was your week, Simon? <laughs> so we've we've stopped talking about rangefinders now, have we? Um, <laughs> for now, for now, for now, for now, more yeah. to come, folks. I, actually, there's something I've forgotten to do at the top of the show as well, which is uh, a, a good time to do it now before I get into my week, and that's to say thank you to Cheyenne Morrison. Uh, for oh yes, I guess last week. Oh um, yeah, yeah, it was uh, great having you on the show, Cheyenne, and uh, and. <laughs> your 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 links will be going up soon for last week's show. I promise yes, you. Yes, they will. Yes. They'll be going up. They'll be going up today. And I actually, I have to say, you know, as everyone knows, I don't listen to podcasts, but I did listen to that <laughs> last night, which is actually today because it went so long. I never went to bed last night. I just kind of stayed up because it got to be like I turned it on at like, you know, midnight, and I turned it off, and it was like three. I'm like, it, I can't sleep now. In you know you know like string theory right like multi unit multiverse all that stuff mm -hmm. right yeah. in some multiverse right now Cheyenne Morrison is still doing his shoutouts <laughs> and just, in another one you are sleeping yes exactly yeah exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. no it was great that was that was really good I wish I could have been on with you guys that was uh, that conversation was a lot of fun. Well, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was great having you on there, Cheyenne, and uh, I hope yeah. you're enjoying yourself on that desert island at the moment with uh, uh, with the, with the few people that are there. So, yeah, it, uh, that's starting to be a pretty good party island. I mean, like if you look at who's on that island at this point, that's starting to be a pretty fairly decent party island. I think we should send you guys there at some point. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how that's going to work. Yeah, so <laughs> that's true. So, yeah. Oh, I guess I, I don't think we'll ever get there, Johnny. I don't know. I it would be so weird if we sent Simon because he's like Simon invented it, and it would be like, well, wait a minute. If you're on the island, then how can we do Desert it, Island? If you exactly, yeah. yeah, stuck on the island. I mean, unless we're doing it from the island. Yeah, I suppose that's technically possible, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? At the top of the show, Simon, you would have to say instead of Stoke on Trent, you'd have to say that you were on the island. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So how was your week, Simon? Pretty good. Um, I've. Uh, I think the 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 main thing that happened last week it happened on Saturday, and that was the. And I did mention last week. I hope I did anyway. Um, that I went to the. Oh, I was going to, and that now I've been to, uh, the showing of um, the documentary film uh, One Shot Inch and Inch and Down, uh, otherwise known as Tanky Mac One Shot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh which is uh about Simon Riddell and David Allen David S Allen um who uh, made a film of their experience of taking a single large format photograph in 
uh, a giant uh, oil tank in the northwest Scotland, and it was pretty epic. Um, the the struggles that they they had to actually achieve what they were doing was taking this this shot, which was hard enough to take, but then to actually develop it underground um, and having to do things like uh, what we're going to do when we I said no that's a spoiler I was going to do a yeah I can't do spoilers but uh, so the, the the developing of the uh, of the print was quite interesting so uh, mm. but uh, but no the so that's that was all part of uh, an event that was organized by Hamish Gill friend of the show and where we there was a photo walk at Worcester um, when I was late and everybody was waiting for me um, and that was I'm going to blame Nigel Cliff uh, for being late uh, because I decided to drop something off to his house on which was on the way to Worcester except it's although it's like as the crow flies it was a good idea but in terms of the time getting there and it was not so good so I was about an hour late and everybody was just waiting for me to, so they could go on a photo walk around Worcester so sorry guys <laughs> just tell me you were in the bathroom well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, um, Johnny technical problems. Um, and uh, so, uh, yes, yeah, so we went on the, a, a, a walk around. I, I took a, as, as you have to do, I took too many cameras and uh, I think I used maybe one of them, maybe two of them. Uh, so the Horizon got a couple of shots off. Um, and uh, there was another camera which I used and I think I've already destroyed what I've actually done earlier on in the show. Um, and that's because I was also, this Jeremy uh, North was at this event and I dropped off the uh, G2 kit. It generously lent me. Um, Simon, before you reveal the camera, yeah, just for any listeners uh, who aren't fully aware of what you're referring to, can you briefly describe just what what the whole premise of one shot inch and down is in in, in much more sort of non-spoilerly clear terms because it is one of the most insane things i've ever heard when i when i heard it described on i think sunny 16 i was sitting there my my first reaction was why but then i was like oh you know i i shoot film so that's a stupid question for me to ask <laughs> um so the the but then I sat there listening, going, "It's these two crazy guys." So obviously, I haven't seen it. So just correct me <laughs> if I'm 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 wrong, right? It's these two crazy guys who go into a cave. Is it? No, it's a World War Two oil tank. One of I think four of them, and they're enormous. I think they're three hundred meters long each one. Okay, so they they go into a dark place, very dark, and then yeah. they take a photo on large format in there yep and and using only things that are around them and that they've brought with them they then develop it inside the the tanker yes that's crazy it, what did they take a picture of the inside of the tank yeah, yeah and this 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 i mean this this tank is enormous i mean it's con it's a concrete line tank that was built uh, during I think the sec Second World War uh, to protect uh, the oil supplies for the ships um, and they were using um, a very heavy grade oil uh, that uh, to to pump the stuff you've you've got to heat the stuff up otherwise it probably like sets like bitumen it's yeah. really really heavy oil they, and it I think they stopped using it in 1982 uh, because that's when I think uh, 
the the Royal Navy at least uh, moved over to using diesel oil. Um, so uh, so they've been empty empty since then. But the the, the tank itself, I mean, I, I forget how wide it is. It's probably going to be about twenty meters wide, something like that. Maybe maybe a little bit less. And uh, certainly it's a ve it's very tall. And I'd say three hundred meters long. It holds the the world record for the longest echo in there somebody huh. somebody did a, a starting pistol and i think i can't remember exactly how long it lasted but i think the echo lasted for i think maybe two minutes something like that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean when you when you actually listen there's a there's a chap called preston who um is the key holder there uh, that let the guys in and he was giving a bit of a talk about the tunnels and he he would get around about i don't know maybe five or six seconds of words off and then he would have to stop let his voice die down and then he'll continue a sentence for another five seconds and then stop and then carry on yeah because yeah, the, the reverberation and echo that were coming back you, you you were talking against yourself there was a um, there was a singer um in there as well at, at one point um and she was harmonizing with herself which is just you know wow, really that's crazy. Cool. yeah so. so wait this is all in the film yeah, all in the film. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, it's uh, and it was a it was a free showing, and uh, and that was it. Hamish's co-working space in the centre of Worcester called the Kiln. That's K I L N, uh, which is the first time I've been there, and it's absolutely fantastic space. Um, you know, if, if ever you wonder why, uh, I said no. Hamish doesn't come across as stressed when you're talking to him, but then then you, you <laughs> hear him go off on a rant, and you can understand why he's he's doing so many things at the same time. And this kiln must have been causing a bit of stress for him as well. Um, so, uh, but they, I think I'm guessing around about 25 people turned up for this uh, this showing uh, at the film. Mm. And David Allen, uh, one of the two photographers, was there to give a, a Q and A session. At the end of it, funnily enough, the first question that was asked was why, <laughs> you know, which <laughs> yeah. is uh, yeah, a pretty pretty understandable question. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a, a fantastic achievement, and the guys had never never shot a film before. They had they actually had a, a cameraman lined up to to do that for them, and uh, he was ill immediately before going, or he just saw sense and didn't turn up. One of the one of the two, but so they were. <laughs> I think it took them a week to actually set the shot up, and I think I can't remember if they were underground for twenty four hours or forty eight hours. Um, and by the end of it, they were cold. Um, they, they hadn't had enough food, and I think they, they yeah, they only actually managed to print two prints. The first one was didn't didn't quite work, and they did another one. And but it got to the point where if that didn't work, they were just going to give up because they were just incapable of, of functioning any any longer uh, down wow. there. So it was, a, it was such a it was a real real struggle. And uh, Simon Riddell has um, type one diabetes as well, so he's got poor circulation. So being in a cold place with his condition, that's uh, that's that's even tougher than normal. So, uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was a, a monumental effort. So, um, really enjoyed what uh, watching that. Um, but so that was the the reason, the main reason for going down to Worcester. But there was a photo what lens did they oh, use? <laughs> what lens did they use? You know what? I don't actually. know. You didn't ask. I didn't ask. No, um, I know that it was a ninety mil. And it was, uh, and they, they they shot it on the, the photograph was taken on large format on, with an Intrepid uh, camera, 
And um, so I'm, I was looking at it. I must admit, I was looking, trying to work out what the lens was by looking at the pictures. Um, I didn't get a clear shot, but I'm going to, I'm going to suggest it was a Snyder. Uh, it's almost, almost certainly a, a, an Angulon of some description. And, mm, uh, and, um, and actually, that was the other part. They to print it, they they didn't take an enlarged down with them. They they took the the intrepid enlarger. Um, head kit i'm not entirely sure what you would call it but it enables it enables the the camera to act as an enlarger uh, just by by shining a light from the from the ground glass end uh, through the negative and then through the lens at some uh, uh at some film uh, which they did horizontally uh, because the actual print that they made i think it was 1.2 meters wide you know and to actually make that print yeah, and and this isn't a spoiler. Um, they 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 made it. They had to use paddling pools of chemicals to actually. Uh, to, to, to so like it. they went, they blew them up down there. Yeah, the, the whole the whole thing happened. Down, so happened it, is it, are you saying that this is actually like a stealth infomercial for uh, that camera thing? Um. Well, I'm sure it's going to do intrepid no harm whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like at the end, it'd say brought to you by intrepid. Um, there was a there were a list of people that uh, supported um, the, the efforts, and the intrepid was certainly one of them. So, okay. Uh, in fact, actually, I do believe the the enlarger that they used the, this this kit, which is basically an, an LED, I assume it's an LED lamp. Uh, that, that clips onto the back of the camera, like uh, like a like a graphlock back setup. Um, I believe that was the very first production um, item uh, that that, that uh, Intrepid had made. So uh, that went straight up to Scotland and down a down a tank, um, down a and hopefully to to return. And it did, which is good news. But uh, so yeah, that was that was that was really really interesting. So um, well well done to the guys on that one. Um, and uh, the so I just going going back to where I was, I handed over the the Contax G two kit uh, and promptly forgot uh, to take the G one uh, that I also uh, was going to take down. So I've still got the G one with me at the moment. Um, who knows? That might get some action. Who knows? Um, but. This the, later this week uh, now, as in on Wednesday, um, our one of the local camera clubs, um, well, one of the clubs I'm involved with is, and, and this is not the darkroom one. This is like a more of a conventional camera club. Uh, there's a face, not face painting, <laughs> face painting group, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Um, no, uh, light painting. Um, and we're going up into uh, a, uh, a tunnel, a disused railway tunnel. My my image of your darkroom days are completely changed now, Simon. <laughs> my mental image. <laughs> you just think we're doing light. We're face painting there now. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows? We might have a go at it sometime. You never know. Um, but uh, but no, we're going to um, a disused railway tunnel. Uh, which will be pitch black, and you know, lots of wavy things are going to be uh, thrown around. And uh, I'm, qu I'm quite looking forward to this. Um, I've not done it before. I've seen it being done, and I was thinking, well, why not? There's a few of us going, and uh, uh, but I thought to myself, well, how how can I make this harder for myself? And um, and the the obvious answer is, well, I'll shoot it on film. Um, so I will be the only person there with a film camera, and it'll be interesting to see if that actually if I can pull that off. But I bought. 
some uh, some film for it. So I'm, I'm certainly not going to do it on large format because I can't afford to shoot colour on large format. Um, but I bought some Ektar 100, uh, 120 film, which mm. was not what I was initially going to get. So I was going to get some Ektar and I was going to get some 35mm. Uh, but I was chatting to, to Jeremy North and I, I asked him if he'd got anything wider than 25mm for Contact Yashica because he's, you know, he's, he's a Contacts fanboy like myself. Uh, but it turned out he, he didn't have one. Um, anything wider than 25 but he, and then he goes but if you want you can borrow my Hasselblad SWC <laughs> <laughs> so oh. yes so at that point I was I, I picked myself back up and uh, said yeah yeah I, I, I could borrow that I suppose <laughs> and so you know high-fiving myself there and I picked that up on on Saturday um, and that was the camera that you uh, you the shutter at least that you heard at the at the top of the show and i've got it in front of me at the moment and it's just a, a wonderful small hasselblad and it's just just gorgeous um, but it doesn't have a, a mirror box which is the reason why it's small and the lens doesn't come off it's a fixed lens so it's 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 a so it's a fixed lens camera with a removable back but it just takes a normal uh, hasselblad back uh, but it's got a a Carl Zeiss Biogon lens, oh. and it's a thirty-eight millimeter f four point five. Oh my god! Which I've, I've not actually checked this, but Jeremy was suggesting that's going to be something equivalent-ish to twenty-one millimeters on full frame. Don't know yeah, if you guys yeah. agree with that? Yeah, the angle of view is similar. I mean, it's square, so it doesn't convert perfectly, but yeah, close enough. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, so no, no mirror box. So therefore, it uses an external finder. And there's a little problem with this because the uh, the the cold shoe is not not the cold shoe that belongs on this camera. It's 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 improvised. So uh, it's very easy for the uh, for the um, viewfinder to pop off it. So I've got to be careful with that. Um, but I'm just so looking forward to getting into this uh, this dark tunnel. Um, banging it onto a tripod and just just seeing what what ensues, and I'm I've taken a bit of advice on you know well what what apertures should I use and all this kind of stuff, and the, the general advice is well just set your aperture to the depth of field that you want rather than thinking about anything else because ultimately it's the space is it it's going to be lit with various bright objects. You're not necessarily lighting the whole space, so it should what i'm actually trying to achieve should just come through and everything else just says black which would be absolutely fine i don't know if you yeah. guys have ever done that kind of stuff before uh, yeah I, i've done light painting before um on film and i can't really remember the process but that 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 lens simon um if 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 you're shooting ektar with it you know which is a very warm film definitely obviously do the do the, do the light painting stuff but I, I highly uh, suggest that you you shoot some normal stuff with that lens as well because that lens is mind blowing. I it I think it's the one medium format lens that I would want more than any other. But I don't have a camera that I can shoot it on. Um, it it's so good, man. It's such a good lens. I, I'd have a friend who has one uh, on an Alpa. Um, but you know the. You, you can get shallowish depth of field with it wide open, even though it's it's a super wide sort of 21-ish uh, frame if you get close enough. And the, the pop and rendering is out of this world. Yeah, just, you just reminded me there that 
it's it's effectively just a scale focus camera, isn't it? Here, so yeah, that's fine. It's wide enough that it yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just it's get funny, enough I, distance between your subject and the background and ballpark it. You'll be fine. Totally. Yeah, we um, we had one of these at the at the shop for the longest time, um, and it finally sold a, f- a few months back. Um, but I had a, gu- a guy came in one day who uh, used to use one professionally, um, but not the way you think, <laughs> because he was like he worked for a company that did like roofing stuff, and he could get up on a roof, and he he was he was saying how he could basically set the camera to like you know, F 16 to hyperfocal and the entire, like every, every tile and shingle on the roof would be in focus. So they could see, they could like take it back and see exactly what needed to be replaced on the roof. (laughs) So it was kind of an amazing story. Um, So yeah, it's a, that's a really neat camera. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's also got one of the, one of the Hasselblad lenses with one of those um, movable, um, oh, it's where the depth of field gauge shifts. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you can, you can, you can, as you stop it down, it then wide, it, it widens the uh, the gap between the two points, and so everything between the two points is in focus. So, right. I mean, if I was to set this at, say, just over, it's in feet. This lens is um, so it's around about I don't know three point three point two feet. Um, if that's the the correct focus, then everything from two and a half feet to just under five feet is in focus. But that, as it goes further away, then right. the the hyperfocal distance increases considerably, doesn't it? So yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's it. That's at f eight. I was just talking there. So um, if I bang that to f eleven and set it to I don't know, maybe about four feet away. Yeah, that's that's going to have absolutely everything in it for me. I would, I would imagine anyway. So, uh, yeah. So, looking forward to that. That should be cool. Oh, I was so jealous. <laughs> yeah. But you say though that this lens is on other ca- other cameras. When you say an Alpa, I mean, was that a medium format Alpa? Was it? I didn't yes. know there was one. It was it was made for Alpa as well. That one's fairly rare, and it costs you you know both of your kidneys. Mm. Um, but. Yes, it's I, I, the only ones I'm aware of are for Hasselblad and Alpa. It might have been made for other mounts, but I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it wouldn't be that difficult to actually take this lens off, but it, it seemed like a bad thing to do, wouldn't it? Really? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's only going to be. I mean, it it's well, it's funny to it's it's fun to take the back, you know, the film back off that camera because the lens is like you know. Two centimeters from the film plane, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I mean, it's you, you could take it off, but it's not going to focus on very much. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. the alpha that it goes on is super thin as well. I don't know what yeah. model it is, but it's that like just that rectangular, thin medium format camera that you mm-hmm. then put a put like a Linhoff back on or something, right? Um, but I mean, as as a feat of engineering, you know, the fact that the flange distance of this camera <laughs> is so short for medium yeah. format, like. And yet, it's so incredibly corrected across the entire uh, image circle. Like it, right. it is a marvel of engineering. This thing, yeah, it's, it's like cool. so there's almost no distortion. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then I mean, you think about it too. The cool thing about that is you don't have to worry about corners. Yeah. Because there's basically, I mean, it's six by six, right? It's so it 
you solve so many problems with a lens by making it a it fit a square format because all mm. the crap that would be bad, you're sort of using the center of the image circle in the whole frame, you know? Right. So you're not squeezing it and getting more. Of yeah. Kind of yeah. Edges. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not like you're trying to do it on, you know, six by nine or something, which is why, you know, RBs are so huge because it's got a, that lens has actually got to cover way more, you know, it's got to cover the long measurement, not the short one. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there we go. I think that's, that's pretty much my week. Although what happened immediately before uh, the show was, I was just trying to be clever and just uh, show, uh, <laughs> I'd do the shutter sound of this camera. And I realized that it was, it was jammed and uh, intentionally jammed is perhaps a better way of putting it because when you get to the end of the roll on the Hasselblad you can't take any more photos until you've wound the uh, the film on um, but me being a genius didn't remember that and thought oh there's all I need to do is just pop the uh, the film out uh, sorry the, the the side of the back out and that will reset it and I'd forgotten there was still a roll of film in there <laughs> so um, that's not so good so uh, hopefully I've only I've only wrecked um one one or two shots on the on this roll of film so uh yeah we've all been there yeah that's it well i've i've messed up plenty of hasselblad shots anyway so uh, by the way simon um if you have any black and white film like like all of zeiss's sort of biogon design lenses the black and white rendering on this thing is so beautiful right yeah. no well wednesday's the day for for light painting and then Whenever I can get out, I'm going to shoot as much of this as I possibly can do because I, I love super yeah. wide. So yeah. um, this should be it should be great fun. Nice. Right. Well, that's it for what we've all been up to, and we now going to do some emails so we can catch up with. Uh, I think we've potentially got an email going back nearly three weeks. Uh, so, oh my god! Yes. So wow. so let's let's head over to those and see if we can get get through them in a in a reasonable amount of time. Okay, uh, just making a quick note here on that. Um, one second. We can take a pause. Uh, we're at the 27-minute mark, just saying, gentlemen. Okay, um, so let's do some emails. So we have an email from James Thorpe, subject number 94. Uh, just... A quick belated note to say how much I was riveted by Perry's audio diary episode, as well as Johnny's appreciation of it. Sobering and inspiring at the same time. Also, Johnny, as if Central Cam and Jepson's Bullard weren't enough reason to visit Chicago, here's one more. Looks like a perfect venue for the Central Camera Christmas party. And there is a YouTube link, which we will include in the show notes, which is too bizarre to describe. No, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> Perry, why don't you tell us about uh, what you did, took, the, took your takeaway of this video? <laughs> so it, it's a short three-minute uh, news clip of a bar in Chicago. And in this bar, they have installed over 70 uh, Big Mouth Billy Basses, which they have programmed to uh, lip sync in, in unison as a group of 70-plus with whatever song they happen to be playing. So if you're not familiar with the Big Mouth Billy Bass, I used to have one of these. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is a, a fine American tradition dating back 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> to about what 1998. <laughs> yeah. And it's essentially a plaque that you put on the wall, but instead of, you know, uh, text on the plaque, there is a fish, a largemouth bass. And when you push a big red button under this largemouth bass, it starts to sing. And the traditional version of the big mouth billy bass, I believe, is programmed to sing "Take Me to the River," right? I think so. Yeah, well, you don't know. Is, is that true? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone that I've seen, when you press it, they they sing um, that song where the chorus is like "Take me to the river, put me in the," and then it goes "Put me in the water." Ah. Um. And I think there's also a song about happiness. Whatever, whatever. So <laughs> this this bar has an entire wall um, along the staircase where the, these fish are singing things in unison, like "Staying Alive" by the Bee Gees. It's amazing. <laughs> and, right. Uh, so <laughs> I'm glad you like. I'm like glad you like the audio diary too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I, I might have to visit there in person and, and give a, uh, a firsthand account of visiting that bar. So thank you very much, uh, Mr. Thorpe for that email. Uh, next up, uh, we have Robbie Jameson and subject is Acros versus Acrosi. <laughs> uh, Simon, Johnny and Perry M over at the secret island volcano layer that is emulsive.org just released a terrific side-by-side test of the old Acros and the new Acros 2 film that just came out. I wonder if you guys would consider having him on the show to chat about it for a few minutes as he seems to have a very fair and even-keeled view of this new version of a beloved film. Uh, the first results are pro- seem promising, especially given some social media fueled controversy about the production of this new film. Hope all is well. Best Robbie J, Chicago, Illinois. Well, we did say we were going to get M back for a part two from when we had him on last time. That seems to have, I think that seems yeah. to have slipped our minds a little bit there. So thanks for the, uh, for the, for the, um, reminder if, if, if nothing else, but yeah, I think we do, we do need to see if M wants to come back uh, yeah. <laughs> and films uh, to shoot in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. And I've, have you, have you seen the, the article? I've, I've, I checked mm-hmm. the article because it came out only a few days ago, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I, there's some I, in, interesting differences and all very subtle differences between the old Acros and the, the, the new one. Mostly um, in the red sensitivity, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I only saw it on my phone and they all look the same. So yeah, yeah, I, I did, they look pretty similar to me. As well. <laughs> they looked really, yeah. It, it was almost like you know, it's not it's not as bad as the digital world where people put 100 percent crops of like four different modern lenses, and I'm like, they they look exactly the same, and then they go, number four is clearly the sharpest. Like, okay, yeah, exactly. That was my take as well. Yeah, no, but it is a really good comparison. Like, M does a great job. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's probably worth just touching on the the controversy as well. 
Uh, oh, made in the UK. Yes. Oh, I didn't know you guys manufactured stuff anymore. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, there was there was lots lots of conversations about it immediately. Well, that means that that it's made by Ilford, and well, chances are it almost certainly is. Um, mm -hmm. And then that was then quickly followed by pictures of well, it's Delta One Hundred, isn't it? Or it's FP Four, or it's uh, Kentmere, and. Uh, um, and we believe the truth is none of the above. Um, it is at cross. Um, yeah. Yeah. They may well, Ilford may well be making it for them. And Ilford have made, I think, I've been reading recently that Ilford were making the, um, what was it? The, uh, there was a 400 film that was a color, a, a negative uh, done in C41. What was that called? Neopan, Neopan 400. And there's a, yeah, that was, so they, they have made film for uh, Fuji in the past. And uh, so there's a reasonable assumption that uh, they're doing so here. But uh, the view is that this is a, is a unique film. It's not a rebadged version of some other um, Ilford film. It's, and it's bound to be going to be a, a different formulation because somebody else is, is making it. So they have their own ways of doing things. So therefore they might be using different processes, maybe a different, um, film base or whatever. And that's going to require some differences in the, in the chemical makeup of it. So the, it's, it's not the same stuff. And that's why they, they've called it across two. It looks like across to me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I mean, all controversy, I, really people i mean it's a freaking <laughs> chemical formula that somebody sprays on right exactly film bay. they make bmws in south carolina people i mean <laughs> i they make I, nissans in sunderland right what is the i what are we even talking about here yeah. i mean yeah it's it's absurd. Yeah, yeah it's not like you can't get acetate in the UK, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. the, the the camera world's got form for this kind of stuff, though, hasn't it? Yeah, such oh, as Leica's dude. made in Canada. Oh yeah, yeah. Fuji's oh, made God. in Thailand. Yeah, Rolly Rolly's made in uh, Singapore. Raw eyes made in yeah. Singapore. Except, except the ones that are made in Singapore are generally considered not to be as good. That's such good, bullshit. They are the same. They're the same. Yeah. Same with the Leica 35 Summicron. The Canadian one is the same as the German one. Exactly. It's just cheaper because people are snobs. Right. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. I'm, I'm not going to argue with that about uh, the, uh, the 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 Canada ones and whatever, but there's there's a, there's quite a lot of talk about the uh, Singapore uh, Rolai uh, gear, oh, but who knows? I, I could be. Do you know how many of those things that go through my hands at Central Camp? They're all the fucking same. All of them <laughs> are the same. <laughs> They just are. There's no. They're the same. The German ones are not any better. People, wait, no. They're really. They're much better. And I have three of them at Central Camera right now. So if you want a real German Rolei 35, you should stop by and get one because they're better. It, it's. It is one of those bizarre psychological things. If you did a double blind, no one would be able to tell you that. No way. Not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. So let's just all be happy that Acros hasn't gone away and you've got yeah. that absolutely fantastic uh, reciprocity failure or lack of reciprocity failure uh, that Acros has. So uh, yeah. if you're doing long exposures, you could, I don't know exactly at what point it, things start to go uh, awry, but uh, certainly 
I think up to a minute at least, you can still shoot it at a minute without having to add on any extra time for reciprocity failure, which is which is great if you want yeah. that. And, and Robbie J's uh, uh, acros are great. Yeah, yeah. Robbie J's got wood for acros. I mean, he he's does. just yeah. He he loves that film. He and he's like he's so excited about it. So, yeah. I mean, his pictures are are fantastic. I don't yeah. use the film a lot because it's too contrasty. Yeah. Uh, for my liking, but man, his especially his um portraits that he gets out of it. It's good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah, really good stuff. Okay. So uh, that's a definite maybe, Robbie J. Well, no, it's more than a maybe. I'm sure we will have M back on. That would be that would be great. Um, shall we move on to the next mm-hmm. uh, email? Oh yeah, which is from Jay Buey in Mississippi, USA. Uh, uh, Jay says having on a few less expensive rangefinders, never like a. I am trying to understand what the attraction that Perry and Johnny have for them is what is the okay maybe they could explain what is the attraction jay buey mississippi usa and then he has a list that starts with past rangefinders petri 7s kanaka s2 kanaka electron yashika electro 35 canon canonet and canon 3a current rangefinders voigtlander vintessa l minolta super a and Kodak Ektar, which we think he means Kodak Signet, mm-hmm. um, which it shall be noted was designed by. Do we know who, folks? No. Arthur H. Crapsley. <laughs> I'm Nominate not kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's a Crapsley camera, folks. It's a Crapsley. Um. Yeah, you know, we we kind of had this conversation with uh Oh. Uh Oh, shoot. I'm blanking on his name. We said it earlier. Um uh our 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 friend there in in he's in London, right? Simon? Oh, Gaza. Gaza singer. Thank yeah, you very yeah. much. Haven't had any sleep. Because of because I was I'm still have I still have Cheyenne's uh, shout outs <laughs> rolling around in my head and I haven't slept. Um, the problem is that these rangefinders are all crap. So that's why you're having trouble. That's not true. <laughs> yes, it is. No, it's not. There's a, <laughs> sure, it is. I mean, there's a Petri in there. So yeah, I, that's I, the I, crap I, Petri, the seven S. I'd like the seven S. The Konica S two is got a fantastic lens. It's the most uninspiring rectangular metal box to make a picture with that you will ever come across. The Electro 35. Yeah. It needs a $28 battery to make a picture. Okay. None of these <laughs> range finders that he has listed have either superlative handling or <laughs> world-class viewfinders. No tough love. With- Jay. Which it's tough are life. because you know, like how long do we how long have we got, right? You know, the appeal of rangefinders, but in essence, they're small. Um, they're easier to focus with than SLRs, and they're fun to use, but so much of that is the experience of focusing the lens right. and the viewfinder. You know, you, if you have a something like a, a Bessa or a Leica with a 
beautiful rangefinder patch and a clear finder. Yeah. There's nothing nicer. But if you're using, you know, I, I, my first rangefinder was a Canonette, and I still have two. But the focusing mechanism with that tab on the side is, it, it's incredibly unergonomic to use. Yeah, and then the patch the is all the yeah, and the placement right. of the shutter button drives me crazy on those cameras. Yeah, and the the way that you change the the shutter speed as well. I've just yeah. uh, Perry, Perry. I've just got to drag drag you back on something that you said there. <laughs> so I've, I let yeah. these things go far too often, um, and that's what you say. You know, rangefinders are easier to focus than the SLRs. They uh-huh. might be for you, but that that is very much a sweeping statement. There, I certainly don't agree with that, and I think there are lots of other people out there that find rangefinders difficult to focus relatively speaking now you can argue we're just doing it wrong and you're probably right but you know just to just for a little bit of balance there yeah yeah, yeah. i mean he that's the attraction for me i find them easier to focus um right. obviously you know some people prefer slrs and that's it that's totally fine uh and i get that but simon i want to draw your attention to this portrait of your son <laughs> 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 where where I believe you said something along the lines of, ooh, I shot this with a Leica 51.4 Sumalux spherical in low light, and I wouldn't have been able to focus this with an SLR. I'm going to put probably wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean who, who, who knows at the time? So, um, But it, I, was, I was just astonished that I got the focus in it precisely the right place uh, with with that camera um so so yeah it, it did an incredible job and yeah i don't know if it if i would have done but, that with an slr but that's the like a rangefinder you know when you've got the double image and it overlaps the contrast is enhanced and it pops yeah yeah right? and that's what makes the focusing easy whereas if you're using like a yashica electro 35 you're not gonna <laughs> have you're not gonna have that experience no, not so much. So yeah, we're 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 being we're being smart asses about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 in seriousness, in semi seriousness, it does have an awful awful lot to do with the quality of the rangefinder and the handling of the camera. Yeah, I would say, and I and I I think those two things are what make people, you know, spaz about rangefinders. Um, you know what. You know what? One thing. One thing. I think a good way to put it is a crap SLR will be a much better experience than a crap rangefinder. I totally agree. Yeah. But a top of the line rangefinder is so so sweet, whereas the gap between a top of the line SLR and like a crap SLR, uh, the experience is not like the range is not as wide. You know. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Unless it's like a any Zorky. Because <laughs> they're just Zorky fours. I think Zorky four is okay. It's a nice camera. No, I'm I mean that not the Zorky, the Zenit. The Zenit oh, yeah, SLRs. The, the Zenit SLRs are just unbelievably horrible. <laughs> with a with a pentamira. Yeah, yeah, they're just unbelievably horrible viewfinders. You can, see, you can see how they're how they're glued together at the sides. Yeah, it's they're the just yeah, so you, you end up not looking wretched. at you don't look at what you're actually taking. You're just looking at the inside. No, you're, of the you're, 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 your your eye is moving around the inside of the viewfinder, horrified at what's yeah. going on. Yeah, <laughs> you finish shooting, and your hands are covered in Soviet grease. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're you're shaking. <laughs> you're shaking when you're done. Like my God, what did I just do to my eyeballs? <laughs> you know, on that note, I, I I've always thought that if I ever had to start a uh, death metal band, 
um, and name it after a photography related thing, I would name it Soviet Greece because it seems really appropriate. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, what was the question? All right. I'll say moving on. Yeah. Moving moving on. I think we're where are we done? Thank you. Thank you, Jay Buey. We appreciate the email. Um so this next one, I'm just gonna acknowledge that has been received. Um the subject of this email is for digitization digitalization episode. Um and this email came from uh John Michael. John hyphen Michael, not to be confused with George Michael. Um, we have received your email and we will indeed talk about this uh, on a future episode. So there uh, next, next email, uh, Ben Reynolds subject micro four thirds coverage. Hello, hello, fine gentlemen. Thanks as ever for your fabulous podcast. A joy to listen to as always. Foodcast. Oh, podcast! I missed podcast. <laughs> it, it was even underlined in red on my little screen here, as if to say, "Oh, oh, spelling error." Podcast. I get it. Uh, someone will be along shortly to disagree with you, Ben Reynolds. So, thank you very much for that. Um, I have what must be a very noob, also underlined in red, question <laughs> for you, fine folks. Uh, I am thinking about shooting some video on Micro Four Thirds. Do we really have to finish this email? <laughs> <laughs> You've started, so you'll finish. All right. Oh, and was wondering about my options for this incredibly small, tiny format glass. He didn't really say that. He said, what are my options for small format glass? Can I use old movie slash TV lenses? What mount should I be looking for? Are there reasonably priced gems out there? Uh, I should be adding to my flea bay underlined in red search list. Uh, thank you in advance for your help. There's an old, wait, if there's an old podcast, I should go back and listen to, please let me know. And I'll stop wasting your precious toilet time. Ciao for now, as they say in South Wales, Ben. Mm. Now this this is one of the things I, the subjects we were going to bring up with Bill Pavetta when when we had yeah. him on the show, and I I think we only scratched the well actually the whole the whole show we scratched the surface didn't we and I I don't think we did very much on C mount lenses yeah which is what we're pretty much talking about here that's uh, the answer to his noob question yeah yeah, yeah. what mount yeah. should you be looking for you should be looking at C mount. And there's a shit ton of them out there. Oh, there's so many. I mean, there's so many. Yeah. I wouldn't know where to start. I know, right? Seriously. I mean, there's there's so many. I mean, even if you just start with like the modern ones that are under about 28 different names, the Chinese ones that oh, yeah. like they're like $25 literally. I have one of those. The it's a CCTV lens that yeah. I I yeah. slap my Fuji on square mode and it it covers. It's, and it's awesome. Got, and it's yeah, awesome. It's got crazy render. Yeah, they're so yeah. cool. It's really yeah, it's re I think the one I have is like a is like the 35 millimeter. Mm. And it I actually I think I have the same one. Yeah, and it actually fully covers if I remember, it just it vignettes a lot. I mean, but it yeah. doesn't black vignette. It like it it shades and it gets crazy in the corners, but it covers it covers uh APS-C. So Okay, you don't have the same one. My mine doesn't cover APS-C. Okay, all right. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, there's a there's a ton of them out there, yeah. and I mean, you, you just like just I don't know, find the cheapest one and start there and see wait, and see if you like it. Wait, Johnny, does the one you have have the world's stupidest aperture design where you can uh, stop yeah. it down completely? <laughs> yeah, and 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 you never actually turn the focus ring; you always turn the aperture accidentally ring. turn the aperture ring. Yeah, yeah and then they both move at the same time anyway, so yeah. it doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> okay yes we both have that yeah, yeah. So, but like I, you can you can I've, simon if you don't have this you can close the aperture down to i've i've, enc- I've encountered that as well uh, yeah one relatively recently uh, a cosmic car which I, I believe the cosmic car oh they're connected with pentax i think i'm sure there's a connection Maybe. between cosmic car and pentax yeah. um sorry john i didn't mean to cut you off oh no not at all no that was that was that was good but I think the, 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 there is an issue with with vignetting, and and I can't remember which way it works with it. So, or... so the 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 wider they are, the more likely they are to vignette. On mm-hmm. so it, like let's for instance, they make like a twenty five millimeter of that lens that at least on APS-C vignettes like crazy. But on on four thirds, I think it would be fine. Yeah, and then if you're focusing up close, it's less of an issue than if you're at infinity. Right. Exactly, and if you're not stopped down very much, if you the more you stop down, the more it's going to be yet. So, yeah, yeah. The the other thing is like these lenses are not necessarily known for their high res uh, ability, their image image quality in terms of resolution, um, but they do produce some interesting shots. But it do, it does beg the question: just just because you're doing video doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get some kind of more of a video kind of. A, Experience by using a video lens, uh, a C mount lens. Because right. ultimately, most of these things are, you know, they're for CCTV. They're static cameras virtually. They, they set the uh, the focus on them, and then you walk away from them. I'm, I'm guessing that's 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 how they usually use. So, yeah. if you are doing uh, video with uh, micro four thirds, you're still going to be as as well to be using your your, your classic lenses. Except obviously, yeah, you know, you're going to be struggling at the wide end. Um, simply because of the uh, the two times crop, right? Yeah, but I mean, the, it's not just that. Uh, yeah, so so the CCTV lenses they're fun to play with. They do have you know the worst field curvature on the planet, <laughs> which um, is good, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's cool. Uh, but if you want yeah. that sort of cinematic video look, yeah, you've got your you know you got Schneider's, you got Dalmeyer's, Taylor Hobson's, Kodak's. Like, there's so many. But I, I think. One of the cool things about playing with these lenses too is a, a they're tiny, right? They're so small, but m- more importantly, some of them are beautiful, both in terms of their build quality and just aesthetically what they look like. And I, I find these lenses, um, especially the ones I mentioned, like the Schneider Xenons and the Kodak Ektars, just pretty to look at. Just, just something that just popped into my head there as well is uh, D mount, uh, which is a smaller format again, yeah. and uh, I, I think you'll struggle to get any D mount uh, to work on micro full thirds because one of no. the problems with right. that is right. the lens needs to sit very, very close to the sensor. Yeah. Um, and I've got a D mount adapter for a Pentax Q. In fact, that's the only reason I own a Pentax Q. Yeah. Was to try and use D mount lenses, and I did it once, and I was thinking, why did I ever bother? <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, that, that, that's pushing it, right? I think it's those will only really cover the Pentax Q and the the Nikon G 
J? Is that is that what it's called? Uh, is it V? Isn't it Nikon V? It could be J. I don't know. Uh, it's the one, isn't it? Nikon the, one. The, yeah, the like tiny, that. the tiny yeah. sensor one. Yeah. Another long one. line of <laughs> Nikon Nikon digital failures. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ben C mount, go knock yourself out and share the results because this is something that I really want to do. I I, I want to put all the C-mount lenses on micro four-thirds cameras and dick around with them. But similarly to similar to Ben, apart from the cheap stuff, I don't really know where to start. So, Well, that's the point. Most of them are cheap. So yeah. just give them a go, see what happens, and uh, have fun with them. Yeah. Johnny, do you still have that Taylor Hobson one? I do. As a matter of fact, it's right here in front of me on my desk. Oh, oh my God, hold on. So back, I don't know how many episodes ago it was that we must have touched on or we're going to touch on oh no it was the pavetta episode that's why they're on my desk still tells you how often i clean my desk um so yeah in front of me i have the taylor hobson coat of color lens which is a 25 millimeter like one point something something like that um so yeah, I still and it's mounted. I have it mounted on a C mount, screwed into a C mount uh, adapter for Fuji, and I've shot that quite a bit in square mode on my Fuji, and it it I really like it. It's one of my favorite favorite things to do digital on that mm. on that Fuji is to use this lens. Yeah, um, and right next to it, I have I just realized I have it right here, the Fotasi thirty five millimeter one point seven. C-mount lens, which I, I've got to say, also one of the most fun lenses to use if I want to just screw around um, on digital with, you know, adapting stuff. It's like literally one of the most fun lenses to yeah. use. It's it's great. I really enjoy it. So, I mean, that would be, I would, I would wholeheartedly recommend this lens, the Fotasi 35mm 1.7. I think there's a newer version of it out actually that where the um the focus ring doesn't suck so bad so oh, you nice. might yeah so you might you might check that out actually um yeah maybe check and that out one of the really nice things about uh c-mount lenses too is it is one of those ways that you can get absurdly fast lenses for without having to sacrifice any organs yeah because it is not unusual to find so f f zero point nine five lenses, um, like there's a Navitar, uh, fifty millimeter f zero point nine five that you know it's pricey for a C mount lens, um, but overall it's not absurd. And then you've got cool vintage video stuff like the Kern Macro Switars, which have really nice rendering. Oh, it's a whole new. We we got to do an episode on C mount lenses on Micro Four Thirds. You guys, you guys have been talking about it for like a year. We need to get we need to, we need to get Bill back. We need to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, we really we really do. Yeah. And you can get F one point zero zooms. Well that that reminds me, I did I did I sent um I think you've got to be really careful with the zooms. Um they I think they're more prone uh, to to cause issues with vignetting. Um mm. I, I, I sent one over to uh, Phil images by Phil um, in Australia, and he 
he struggled with it at first, but Phil being Phil, he he, he persevered and he found a way to make the thing work. Um, but the the point is, it wasn't easy for him to actually get the thing to work. So you, you sometimes it's more than just getting a C mount adapter and just screwing it in and uh, off off you go. Uh, there's, there's, oh. oh, do we hear that, folks? You know what that means? Christmas time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sort of, Perry. Um, that means we just hit the 90-minute mark on this podcast. Right. So, Because we, because we have our feedback, um, the, the, most lately from uh, Ricardo Bayon of uh, Best Vintage Lend, uh, who's uh, suggested that um, it's taken him so long to get to uh, write a review because our episodes are so long, he hasn't got much of the week left. Uh, yeah, to, to I, I've got an idea. We could save a few minutes by just not mentioning best vintage lens on uh <laughs> 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 uh kidding ricardo we wouldn't do that no. uh we should however read our last email mm. yes. uh from uh Bader al marif a a slash m period s period um now Bader has written to us before i'm trying to remember when when exactly this was but I, I i know we've we've read an email before from better haven't we better better i'm just doing this oh hey yeah. better 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 oh. better 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 so wing better august the 25th oh my god how do you know these things simon it, i've just just searched it in, in the in the classic lenses podcast gmail account so holy cow i'm just Man, I hope when I'm your age, I have it as together as you, Well, no, Simon. I, I just type something into a search box. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I hope when I'm okay. your age, I have it as yeah. together as you do, Simon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Um, subject, please stick to the same. I really enjoyed the first episodes of the podcast, comma, as named. Then it went into camera talk, comma, exclusively, then politics. This almost reads like a haiku. Um, I know where to go if I want all that, Johnny. I miss the early days, comma, sigma, comma, pentacon, period. Jupiter and the likes. Suggestion, all caps. Please, all caps. Change or change the name of the podcast. Agree that it meant to be controversial just too far regards, Bader. Well, I, I'm all for renaming the podcast to the F Trump classic F Trump podcast. I mean, I'm fine with that if you guys are. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. I'll take that as a yes. All right. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed the F Trump podcast this week. Uh, Simon, about time we wrap up. Almost, almost. Uh, I, I, he raises an interesting point there um, because I mean the podcast has changed quite considerably um, in the nearly two years uh, that that we've been doing this. Um, from the early episodes where suddenly I, I was rushing to say anything that I was saying, so I didn't have to speak any longer. Um, to 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 shows where we seem to be able to just like go on forever and ever and ever. Um, hence why there was that ninety minute bell. Uh, because we're uh, trying to attempt to actually just bring the you know, 
make make the shows a little bit shorter if if we can um yeah. and sometimes that's a good idea uh, sometimes it's not because it, once you're actually going along in the conversation you don't want to just bring things to a, an abrupt halt or to um, stop things too soon when interesting things are being said so um, at the end of the day a show is as long as the show needs to be in in, in most cases um, the other thing is uh, yeah the topics I mean yes uh, we were very encyclopedic back at the at when we first started and then we we became more conversational um, and uh, and then uh, Interesting, you know, politics has actually been something that's been a, a, a bit more prominent relatively recently uh, with what's been going on in uh, Hong Kong and uh, also in the uh, in the States. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a conversational show. We like to know what we've been up to, which is also something that's relatively, I don't know, I don't know how long we've been talking about what we've been doing in our weeks. Um, so, you know, things that go on in our lives are now part of the show if we think that it's uh, it's relevant or interesting or in, or we're just going to say it anyway um so it's it's yeah i think i think it's good to um stand back sometimes and just see see where the where the show's going and it's again we've said it before we can't please everybody um, so a lot of this is a case of well we do this for ourselves to have have these chats that we enjoy and we hope that other people do so but we also do try to produce things that are going to be interesting for other people so it's not just about you know a conversation between ourselves we do actually like to produce something that people might want to hear and and i think there's a it's a there's a good point there about uh sigmas and pentacons those those cheap lenses because we have moved away um relatively recently um um Perry, uh, yeah, my fault. Uh, my fault. Yeah, about uh, these uh, these these cheaper lenses, and I, and I think it's right that we shouldn't uh, forget about them and uh, just talk about the exotica. And that that was something that I was chatting with Fraser Yule um, recently, and he dropped me a line recently about some ideas that about how we can talk about some of the old older sorry there's some of the the, the, the cheaper lenses and that's something that we, we we're mulling over that one because i think there's there's a way of doing that because we we sometimes look at it and think well we've done budget lenses so and then we've moved on from that so you can't do another show specifically on budget lenses but actually there are other ways to talk about the uh, the more affordable lenses and uh fraser's come up with an idea and i think we can develop that idea as well so yeah, yeah i think there will be more cheaper lens talk uh, coming up so um, that'll be good yeah so um, i have two responses oh sorry go yeah ahead. no no please perry go ahead all right I, I have two responses to this uh number one first just on the the cheap lens stuff uh fraser's idea which simon we won't talk about until we do it is a really cool idea but the, the other day when i was out shooting well yesterday um one of the friends i was with is also into photography and as we were kind of walking down she she asked me if i if she could try my x-pan and she tried it and she was like oh this is really nice can I borrow this for an upcoming trip to that, that she's going on with her husband? Did you, how hard and did my, you laugh? In my how mind, how hard did you laugh? <laughs> well, I didn't say I didn't say anything out loud. In my mind, I was just thinking, "Hell no!" Um, <laughs> but then I was like, "I do know that you have a Russian rangefinder that you don't have a lens for, so I can lend you a an Industar twenty two if you want." <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow <laughs> like you're not taking my x-band to bangkok wow um 
So there, there, there's that. <laughs> yes, it, it was funny. It was also kind of cute because she had no idea, you know, right? Like yeah. what it was. She just looked through the viewfinder and was That's like, hilarious. "This is so nice. I want it." I was like, "Yeah, I know. I bet I, you." And do. Perry's like, "Yeah, I can hook you up with pretty much the same thing." <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the, but on the other point about discussion, I mean, a as I was saying before the show, we're not the BBC, so we don't have editorial standards. But but more importantly, <laughs> you know, lenses standards. are <laughs> 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 more more importantly, you know, we all love lenses and they are awesome. But what does this thing say? It says, you know, then you talked about cameras and then politics. Look, to me, it's boring to like list out specs of unlimited lenses nonstop in like every single episode. But why do we like lenses? Because we put them on the cameras, right? And so that's where the camera talk comes in because you can't talk about lenses without the cameras. And then how does that lead into, you know, discussions? Well, that, that leads into what are we shooting with the cameras, right? right? And, you know, well, what's top of everyone's minds in, in, in the U.S. and the U.K.? Certainly, you know, it's a heated <laughs> political environment. I am surrounded by tear gas all the time. And, like, you know, if you go to my Instagram right. feed, if you scroll back seven months and you look at the stuff I was posting before seven months ago and then recently, like, there's a clear change in, in what I'm shooting. And so the progression is too, too, too uh, like, bi-directional, right? So, right. you know, you go from lens to camera to photography to subject matter. Subject matter goes back to photography to camera to lens. And they, they feed into each other. Right. And it would be pointless if, if you omit parts of those conversations. Because, like, you know, what it, it, it's, it doesn't make sense, for example, for me to talk about shooting panos with my X-Pan if it's not, if it doesn't also incorporate the wide sweeping vista of these protests I've been going to. Oh, by the way, there are these protests that I've been photographing, which is political in nature, right? You know, it's, it, it, it bleeds in. Yeah. I mean, I just, you know, I'm just going to just try to be really kind about this, but I, we, I, it is unrealistic that all of us, all three of us are living in countries that are going undergoing substantial changes at the moment. Uh, that are affecting the rest of the entire world. And, you know, I I think the suggestion is that we don't editorialize. um, And you probably don't want to listen to this podcast then because I think that's going to happen. It's just, it's just, I mean, literally the, my government is undergoing a constitutional crisis that it has not faced since the last time it had a civil war. So it's going to bleed in a little bit and that's kind of just how it is. You know, I hate to say that if that's, if that is, that is off putting, but that's just kind of reality. Um, and it bleeds into my subject matter a bit too. I mean, there are a lot of things that pop up in Chicago where every day I turn the corner to go to central camera and a half a mile in the distance, I see 20 foot tall letters that spell out T R U M P on the side of a building. So it's, it's an omnipresent thing that is inescapable. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, that's my editorializing on editorializing. I, you know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, okay, well, so 
I, I sorry to interrupt, Simon, but they, there's a breaking, breaking news happening right now on the Classic Lenses podcast. And I realize that we hit our 90 minute timer. Uh, but this is like, you know, when the CNN comes on. Oh, sorry, editorializing. I said CNN. <laughs> you know, when Fox News. Oh, sorry, editorializing Fox News. Um, you know how when they break into the program and tell you something important in the world's going on that up your country at any given moment. So we just got a flashing news break from, of all places, YouTube. Ah, yes. Yes, we have. And oh. YouTube, YouTube has just sent an email to us, which we shall read. And it says, subject, new comment on number 94, tear gas, poop, and cowboy candy. Yeah, that's, by the way, that's, that's a new comment from 13 days ago, I just, just to clarify. Oh, you bastard. I thought this actually just popped up, <laughs> no. and it was Simon. I just spotted it and thought, oh, we better talk about this. Oh, <laughs> man, Simon, you just blew, you just bogged my high, Simon. <laughs> All right. Subject, border, no, that's not subject, that's person, Borderlands, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the person. Okay, Borderlands says... Did you mention the Canon 40 millimeter 2.8 pancake for DSLR? 80s and 90s point and shoot cameras often came with a 38 millimeter lens. 28 millimeter lenses on APS-C cameras give a 42 millimeter equivalent field of view. It's a flexible viewpoint for general use. Point, and point of view may be the term Simon is looking for to describe what he calls perspective change. For example, <laughs> Not to open a can of worms. For example, if you take a shot on a 24 millimeter lens and on a 135 lens, it isolates different aspects of the scene. Perspective does not change, but viewpoint certainly does. Let's say there's a landscape with open fields, telephone wires, and a distant church. On the 24 millimeter lens, the relationship between the elements is made unimportant by the domination of the fields in the foreground. <laughs> on a 135 lens, an individual telegraph pole and the church spire may have a close relationship with each other. So although perspective does not change, our response to the elements in the scene visually and emotionally are completely different. End of comment. I still haven't recovered from perspective, so I'm not sure <laughs> if I can comment on that. Um, it, it, sounds, it sounds right to me. Um so so yeah, thumbs up for me. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna comment. Was that was that, a, was that a it was that a audio indication of disingenuousness, Perry? <laughs> no, of no, no, Simon's no. disingenuousness. Oh, perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> I I'm actually I'm trying to wrap my head around what he is saying in terms of the relationship between the elements is unimportant. That doesn't I, I, really I, I, make... I think I think he's I think he means because in a 24 millimeter lens, the only thing you see is the foreground. Oh, the foreground. But, yeah. Yeah, fair because, yeah. Yeah. Because the stuff in the background is just going to recede so far back into the background. Yep. It's going to be yep. like, right. Yeah. Cool. Also, well done uh, for using domination, pole, church and relationship in two seconds. <laughs> Is that what that snicker was for, Barry? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Nice. Proud of you, son. <laughs> I learned quickly. Okay. Well, 
Well, that's 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 all our correspondence. Uh, oh, okay, we've caught that's up everything. We still haven't, and we still haven't hit two hours yet. So that's 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 good going. Um, is there anything else we want to get off our chest, or should we start to do shout outs? Uh, should we? We could bring Cheyenne in. He might have something to get off his chest or a shout out. <laughs> Sorry, Cheyenne. I'm just kidding me. All right. So Perry, let's go. Let's go to you. Any any shout outs for this week? Uh, I guess just one. Uh, shout outs to my group of friends who uh, joined me en route while photographing the protest yesterday. Uh, I don't think they would appreciate me naming them on the podcast, but you know who you are. Excellent. And uh, Johnny? Uh, no, I don't think I have any. Not, not, not really. I do, but I don't. I'm just going to skip it for right now. So. Okay, well... I'll I'll do a I've already did one shout out earlier and I'm gonna just do another shout out for the Six Towns Dark Room uh, because it's ace and uh, every Tuesday night uh, I think we're gonna have a break over Christmas um, that's in Stoke on Trent North Staffordshire if you're ever in the the area on a a Tuesday night come along uh, like Fraser Yule did uh, recently and uh, you can have a go at printing developing film or just talking cameras and lenses um, it's all good fun um, so that's my shout out so. Perry, um, outside of this podcast, where can people keep up with you and the things that you do? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr at PerryG uh, or PerryG.com. And I remember that I actually do have a quick shout out. Uh, just a quick shout out to Mr. Mike Epstein, uh, who I will be joining again in the darkroom this Thursday. But he messaged me a couple of days ago uh, to remind me that now that it's colder in Hong Kong, our tap water is the perfect temperature uh, for, <laughs> for developing film. And he is indeed right. I've developed uh, all of my protest shots from yesterday. And it honestly, it's so nice to be able to turn on the tap and have 20 degree water just come straight out. It's so much nicer <laughs> than like mixing stuff and trying to get it just right with like my bottle of refrigerated water and then, you know, trying to measure the temperature of the tap water and mixing them to get it right. Thank you, Mike. So uh, that's that's quite surprising. Me. So normally, you're out of the cold water tap. It's it's above twenty degrees. That's that's quite normal, is it? Yeah, man. When it's like thirty five degrees in the summer, the tap water on cold is twenty seven degrees. Wow. Yeah, because the cold water is just non heated pipe water. Well, yeah, I guess I'm just just used to used to it in the UK that the the, yeah. the water pipes are buried. Oh, yeah, well, so, so are ours, but it's that freaking hot. Yeah, it's that hot that, you know, it's, there's a seven degree difference, right? You know, if it's 35 outside, it's 27 in the water. Yeah, but, I, well, even on, on the hot days in the UK, it, it's, you know, you, I mean, certainly when you're, you're running the tap, you've got to run it a little bit uh, because there's, because of ambient temperature affecting the, the exposed pipe work. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you run a tap for twenty seconds in the UK, even on a on a really hot day in the UK, if it was, you know, we've, we can get to thirty degrees in the UK centigrade, um, but, and but, it, you get cold water. Yeah, but it it when it comes to like temperature regulation, you guys don't get the consecutive, you know, four months of ninety percent humidity, thirty plus degrees. So you know, like if you if you go into your backyard in the summer, Simon. And you dig a hole with a shovel that's like eight meters deep. 
it's going to be significantly colder at the bottom of that hole, right? <laughs> Where the pipes would be. Whereas in Hong Kong, because it's so hot, um, even even our our you know the ocean is supposed to be a great regulator of temperature, right? Um, but even that is warm, you know. Um, so I, I I'm not I'm not surprised. It's annoying as hell, but. Basically, once summer hits, getting development tank watered up to temperature is like, oh, it's an ordeal. So now is the best time. I'm going to shoot a ton of black and white film and develop it all. So, so Johnny, what's your, uh, what's your experience? Well, Chicago gets hot for, for extended periods, doesn't it? My water coming out of my tap is as cold as freaking penguin balls right now. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like I... Yeah, but it's cold at the moment, isn't it? But I yeah, mean, but summer, I mean, the high, even even in the even at the height of summer, it's like I can only do it in American, but it's like seventy-two degrees. It's mm. you know, which I mean, it's sort of the could be the perfect temperature for black and white, essentially all year round, more or less. Um, but I, I don't think I've ever had to try to cool water let's put it this way right i don't think i've ever had to cool water down in order to develop black and white yeah it, so it oh, basic it basically luxury. never comes out out of the t- well but i mean i don't use tap water for anything developing except wash but it doesn't come out of the tap ever any warmer really than 68 degrees or maybe wait. 70 wait, hold, hold on you don't use tap water for developing no what do you use distilled water yeah like so you my purchase distilled water, yeah. Oh, always. Yeah. But the, the water here is horrible. The, the, oh, is it the, really hard? Is it really hard there? Oh yeah, it's really the water is uh, super yeah. hard. So it sucks for it sucks for dev- I mean, it, it, my my film would be just covered in crapola. That makes sense. Yeah, and it would scratch, and it would just be so. Yeah, no, I I do everything except the final wash is done with distilled water. So, um, you know, now that I think about it, when I lived in Toronto, it was the same. Even in the summer, I guess across North America and Europe, when you – because you drink the tap water, whereas we don't. Um, I don't drink so the tap water, but in uh, theory, you people drink the tap water. Yeah. yeah. So you turn on the tap, you turn it to cold, and you do get, like, lovely, crisp, cold water. I don't know right. why, because there's no coolant in it, right? No, it's, it's, it's just – Because it's buried. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. I think if you go, you go so far down, it, I don't think it matters – where you are you're gonna you're gonna be at a yeah well, get to a temperature of about four degrees at some unless point. you're unless you're in the subway in chicago which is like well, what yeah. that's got to be yeah, how many different. that's got to be like 150 feet underground it's hot as balls down there in the summer and and it's cold in the winter but it's not like freezing cold so i don't know why it's so freaking warm in the subway but it sucks it's yeah. awful. But, I mean, for a bit of perspective then, all, all of this is making me realize that you guys have never felt my pain of developing film in any season that's not the dead of winter in Hong Kong. <laughs> because no, not really. I spend so long mixing. I, I've got it down to an art now where, like, depending on uh, how much, you know, developer I need to mix, I, I know in- instinctively how much fridge water and how much tap water i have to mix oh, to man. get it pretty close to 20 wow because be- yeah before i developed like that i don't have to think about it anymore it's second nature but before i had to before i figured that out it's tedious you know yeah i can imagine well yeah i can imagine water, you put too much cold water you're down at 18 degrees and you're like oh crap 
you know, do I develop it at a colder temperature? Or right. Do I wait, mix a little bit more, and now it's See, too hot? Yeah, which is which has been part of my dilemma and my hate for developing color until mm-hmm. I got. I will be glad to give it a shout out. Um, oh, what am I? Sinistil thing. Thank you, Sinistil thing. Sinistil CS twelve thousand or whatever it's called. Um, that thing is awesome, man. Like. You turn it on. I put it at 103 degrees to bring the water up to temp for color. And it takes like four minutes for my little tempering dish of water to get to that temperature. No, it takes like, it takes like two minutes. And then I stick a thermometer in my chems and my chems are up to temp in like 10 minutes, as opposed to me screwing around with like, aquarium heaters and heating some water on the stove and then it's too hot and then i have to put it in the fr- fuck it's like that thing <laughs> that thing is awesome but i mean i've even used it now for black and white because like if it's not like the dead of height of summer the water actually comes out of the tap colder uh-huh. than it would need to be even for black and white you know so i even use been using it for black and white can it can it cool water it can only heat right you know, I I would think so, but I swear to God, if I, I I swear I've set it to like you know sixty eight, and it I don't know, I'm probably just I think the answer is no. <laughs> I think it's no, but I want to believe it's yes because that thing is awesome. That yeah, because it's awesome. a sous vide, and sous vides can't cool things down. I don't think you need a cool no. vide for that. <laughs> so so. <laughs> <laughs> I know this was my fault. We just talk about temperature, but were we doing saying goodbye, Johnny? I can't yeah, quite remember. That was a shout out to Mike Epstein, which uh, oh, that was it. Yeah, transformed into a discussion of uh, weather, <laughs> tap water temperature. Ricardo was probably sitting there just rolling his eyes nonstop, being like, "Look at you losers <laughs> shooting your film, mixing your temperatures." <laughs> so, so Johnny. Yeah. Uh, how, how can people keep up with you outside of this podcast? Uh, you can find me at Central Camera Company in Chicago pretty much every day of the week, except the day that I spend the whole day working on the podcast, which is Monday. Um, and you can find me on Instagram where I don't post anything ever at uh, System Photography and Instagram. And you, and you don't let people follow you either, do you? No, so don't bother. <laughs> next year, next year, I'm going to get caught up on that next year. So how, how can people get in touch with the show if they have something? Uh, send us an email, which we will be obligated to read at uh, classiclensespodcast at gmail.com. And also, of course, visit the website for the podcast, which is classiclensespodcast.com. And, of course, while you're on uh, Instagram not paying any attention to what I do, um, go over to Best Vintage Lens our buds over at best finished lens and they have awesome awesome pictures increasingly actual photography pictures <laughs> taken with classic lenses uh yeah go see that they they have great stuff every single day and and what if you want to want captions and subtitles oh yeah show? well as we've proven today you can you can go over and you can you can watch slash read slash listen to the podcast on YouTube by 
using that magical search tool and searching for uh, Classic Lenses Podcast. Um, and you can find the podcast as like a video with captions and you can read that and then you can send us, um, you know, your response or question or something. And Simon will pretend that it's late, you know, breaking news, but actually he will just email it in and then we'll read it. Or possibly not because... Or possibly we, yeah, not. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you really if you really want to comment read out on the show, do the email thing. Uh, yeah. Because... Uh, YouTube could get lost quite, quite. Yeah, I mean, you could easily find yourself going down the rabbit hole of, you know, yeah. watching like Trump fake news videos. You could like, you could find yourself watching like um, uh, Trump news, which is hosted by his daughter-in-law. You could, you could end up there accidentally doing that, and we wouldn't or want you to. Get... X Factor auditions. Yeah, we wouldn't want you to accidentally get involved in anything political while you were doing anything related <laughs> to our podcast. Although, although, if you do go to YouTube and you are commenting there, because it's such a novel thing, there is a high chance um, oh, yeah. that the first few Simon may notice them. Uh, so, you know, please do the YouTube thing and go and comment first on all of the other videos that <laughs> that don't have any comments yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just work your way through the back catalog. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, uh, for me, if you want to see, well, want, want to see anything all that I might be up to, I'm on Twitter as Simon Four. I'm on Instagram as Simon Forster Photographic. Um, I still haven't put anything on Twitter, for, not Twitter, uh, Flickr for absolutely ages, and probably never will again, even though I'm paying for it now, um, <laughs> which is really irritating me now. Um, what else? Every two weeks, I do something called the Large Format Photography Podcast with Andrew Bartram. Um, so uh, that can be a good listen sometimes as well. Um, and that's just about it. Um, I'm sure there's something else I've forgotten. I usually do. I usually forget the Large Format Photography Podcast, but I've remembered it this week. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Our music has been by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And that's it. So if you can, be like Carl. All right, I am going to start the timer now. It's counting down. <clears throat> From Chicago. No, 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 no. It's Hong Kong, isn't it, first? <laughs> oh, you wasted the whole 10 seconds oh, already, Car right, Simon. That. It's with you and not, not... I didn't say it last week. I thought, where does Chicago go in all of this? <laughs> Chicago. Chicago. Um, <laughs>